as you can see here at Salem Fields, we're not afraid to tackle the hard topics, things that we're living with every day in our world, predators and terrorism and um, all of that stuff that causes fear and worry and uh, chaos. And uh, probably there, if there's ever been a hot topic that has spurred opinion and name-calling and argument, it's the subject of sexuality, right? We hear it all the time. Not only is it highly visible in the media and in politics, but it, the debate has infiltrated the church with a vengeance. Uh, recently, there was a headline, and you'll see it in the headlines, the Catholic bishops met, to, met together at, at the Vatican, and they made headlines when they had a, when, as they're having this discussion on homosexuality, marriage, and divorce. And depending on who's spinning the story, whoever writes that uh, article, um, depending on who's spinning it, it'll read, bishops more open to gay marriage or... Catholic leaders still oppose gay, gay unions, and people take sides. It seems like everybody is vying to be right. But do you know what's really happening? Have you ever heard that term, divide and conquer? It's happening to the church. That's what's happening. Um, the, the division and the confusion has weakened our credibility in the world. And people can even now legitimately look at Christians and say even they're divided and confused. I was watching Late Night the other night, and there was a spoof on there. And uh, they had one priest on this side and a priest on this side, and this was the priest for, for, and this was the priest against. And there were a lot of laughs from all of that. But we are. We're being divided, and sure enough, that's when the enemy conquers. Yet the Bible says this, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Well, we're closing our series today, and uh, it's been based on, it's been called, In the World. And these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. And boy, do we have some trouble in our world today, don't we? Especially surrounding this subject of sexuality. And you know what started as this beautiful, pure, God-given gift, and it was created and given by God. It was given for the enjoyment of human beings and for replenishing and reprodu reproducing uh, the earth with humanity. Well, it's just turned into this big ball of confusion with everyone having an opinion and vying to get on this side or on that side, and the arguments abound. So let's look at the anatomy of confusion. See, like fear, we talked about fear, confusion controls and it manipulates because it creates instability. 
I was talking to Dave. He plays back here. He's been so faithful for years, but he's a newlywed. He said this morning that he was in his bathroom, and he must, because he has a wife now, if you're watching Dave, he's probably back in the band room. I said, I'm going to use this this morning. He was probably trying to be really nice to her and keep everything dark as he got up and got ready to come here today. And he said as he was walking out this bathroom that he's lived in for years, he banged his head. And he was showing me the knot he had on his head. And you know what that reminds me of kind of in the cartoon when you fall down or somebody gets hit in the head? You know, you see those little birds going around the top of their head and they're tweeting. And, and you know, it's like, well, confusion creates instability just like that. And, and we can't see clearly. Our, our thinking gets cloudy, which ultimately impacts our decision-making. Our decision-making, you don't want to make decisions in the middle of confusion because our, we get all scrambled in the way that we're thinking. I heard just recently somebody on Wall Street said that confusion is a great tool used on Wall Street with the competition. And what happens is someone will sit down beside a, another unsuspecting trader and they'll begin to say things, untruthful things, so that this trader will overhear them. And the purpose of that is to confuse them and mainly to create doubt and, and to kind of cloud their thinking and, and baffle their judgment so they'll begin to believe these lies that, they're, that they hear over here. And what the, what's the result? They're manipulated into making poor choices and poor trades. And he said, it works beautifully. In 1 Peter, it says, be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know who lions prey on, right? Not strong animals, but weak animals. They look around and find the weak animal, and that's who the lion will attack. And that's what the Bible says. And you see, our minds are weakened when we're confused. It allows the enemy to move right on in. And it's certainly working with this issue of sexuality. We're divided. We're split. We're weakened. And if we're not watchful, and if we're not seeking the truth, and if we're not grounded in God's word, we're going to be swayed by whatever opinion comes along. And we'll fall for all kinds of definitions that are far from the original tent, intent of its creator. How does this work with us? How does that happen? Well, it happens when we fixate on one little sliver of a much bigger story like the media's done with the Ebola scare. Take a look at this graph. Here's the world population up at the top, 7 billion, 125 million. And look at these, um, the Ebola cases. We've had 13,268, probably more because it goes up on a, a daily basis, but it's 13,000. Then we can move down, tuberculosis, 9 million, and on down and look at all of them. Look at that one at the bottom, sexually transmitted infections, 498,900,000. Now, why is Ebola, which is a deadly disease, 
It's horrible because people die. But why are we not taking a look at the STIs? They're more prevalent and they're preventable. And if we would just look at God's original design, it would be an answer to that. See, the Bible speaks a lot about sexual immorality and the consequences that come from it. Yet, what is the one issue that our, our culture and, our, and the church even is fixated on today? Tell me. Homosexuality. Isn't that what we hear about? But the Bible has a whole list. What about other sexual immorality? There's adultery. It's happening every day. I heard a, a Nightline, I was watching Nightline the other day, and this couple has come up with a new thing, is you don't get a divorce, you just stay together, but both of you can be with other people. And we, and, and we kind of turn our nose up at that, but this is our culture. It's become very common and very prevalent, and we're changing the rules to make things okay. There's, uh, there's adultery. There's fornication, there is sodomy, there's lust, there's incest, there's a whole list. So why are we fixating on this one issue? It confuses us. But when we step back and we look at the bigger picture of what they all have in common, we're going to get more clarity. But what we do is we allow the culture to kind of dictate what we'll focus on, just kind of like the Ebola scare. See, God's design is to redeem and restore sexual immorality. And when we get fixated and we get narrow, we allow those voices to take us down and focus on only what we see, it breeds confusion. Well, confusion also happens when we try to rewrite the original story, the story of sexuality according to our own liking or whatever works best for us than to stay true to the original. So everybody get your cell phone out, okay? Get your cell phone, if you want to. You don't have to. Get your cell phone out. And if you can, go to your texts, okay? Go to the last text that you received or you sent, Okay? Go to the last one. Hopefully, it's okay to be read. Okay, now, ex <laughs> exchange your phone with somebody else. Okay, the person next to you, give them your phone. Let them read your text. Okay? Yeah, it's, it's always funny to see that result because, <laughs> because people go, <laughs> what does that mean? Now, with the phone that you have in your hand, you could make up a very interesting story about that text, couldn't you? You could, you could from your perspective and from your understanding, your creative storytelling, you could come up with a really great story of how it ended up saying, well, I'm headed into the shower now because <laughs> I did this at lunch the other day and I gave mine to Kelly and I had given Buddy one and I said, I'm headed into the shower now and I'll be there soon. <laughs> and Kelly said, you were in the shower? I thought, oh, I probably shouldn't have given him that one. <laughs> but, you know, and, and he went, he went, oh. <laughs> 
Well, it wasn't like that at all. But see, Kelly was making up this story in his head and completing that one little text. And you see, that's what we do. We humans are notorious for that. We fill in the blanks with our own stuff according to our own perspective, and we completely rewrite the story of what the original was. And really what we've done there with that text is that we made up a distorted, erroneous account of the original conversation. You get it? That's what we humans do. And the Romans in the early church were notorious for this. It was going on all the time, and Paul would go from church to church to church, and he, and, and he would talk about what was happening, and he said this. He said, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they began to worship and serve created things like sexuality rather than serving the one who created it. Do you get it? Do you see how we're influenced like a frog in the kettle that gets into the kettle with the cool water and the the heat is just turned up just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and the frog will stay right in that water until he's cooked. That's how we are if we're not watching because the enemy is prowling around and he's going to watch for anybody that will have a mind that will allow that confusion to walk right in if we're not watching. And I, I want you to go, if you have your Bible app there, you can go ahead and go to Romans 1.26 and read through that. I asked Buddy last night if he did when I asked him, and, and I'm not going to read that. We're going to move on. But it threw them into all kinds of sexual confusion. And you can read about that. So what do we do with this confusion? What do we do? Well, instead of being led by cultural definitions or what's going on all around us and we're inundated with it, instead of fixating on the sin du jour, you know what the sin du jour is? The thing that we want to fixate on today and talk about, and grind, and give our opinion. Instead of fixating on that, or rewriting this story about sexuality, why don't we just step back and take a grand look at God's original, simple, and pure design? Watch this.
church watch Dancing with the Stars, did you? <laughs> Sandy Robertson wanted to express her faith, and these are still uh, people, but that was, that's the story that they de depicted, and it started out all oh, so well and so beautiful, and God had already given Adam this one simple guideline before he ever even created Eve. He gave him this one simple guideline so that he could have this ultimate experience in paradise. He said, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Just don't eat from that one tree. And he, you know, like any good parent, a parent will say, okay, now my child, uh, don't do this thing. Because if you do, this will happen. Every good parent then will administer the consequences Right? Isn't that what a good parent does? The perfect parent says, now don't do this. And if you do, this is what will happen. It's exactly what God said to Adam. He said, don't eat of that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And right after that, he said, it's going to get better, Adam. I'm going to give you Ashley. <laughs> Adam and Ashley there. He said, Adam, I, it's going to get a whole lot better because you know what I'm going to create another person for you and the two of you will be a match made in heaven your mind your body and your soul and then he created Eve and right after that he gives this passage of what we say when we marry people and and they come together and it's said in many marriage wedding ceremonies it says flesh of my flesh Bone of my bone, the two become one, perfectly matched, perfectly fit. Hashtag original story. <laughs> Hashtag perfection. Hashtag frolicked in the garden. Because right after that, it says this. It says, the man and the wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Perfection, simple. One instruction, you guys. Don't eat from that one tree. Because if you do, your eyes will be opened. Now, let me ask you. Why do you think God asked them not to eat from that tree? Any ideas? He gave them a choice, right? He gave them a choice. Okay, I'm telling you, I'm asking you not to eat from it. However, you can choose to do that if you want to. Don't we all come to that point at some time in our life when we're tempted? Isn't that what temptation is all about? Secondly, 
the reason that God did that. He was the perfect parent. He wanted to protect them. Don't we tell our children things to stay away from simply because we know if they do that, that great consequences will come, that harm will come because of God's love for Adam and Eve and for mankind. He wanted to protect them from death. He wanted to protect them from confusion. He wanted to protect them from the consequences, the complications of life that come when we cross his boundaries. But we humans, we tend to think that God's instructions restrict our freedom instead of provide for it. You know, and Adam and Eve said, I don't want to do it your way, God. I want to do it my way. And so Adam and Eve, they did it their way. And they crossed God's protective line. And that, my fellow humans, is when all hell hit the scene. Didn't it? It was at that moment, and personalize this. Have you ever thought about how when you crossed the line, that complication and confusion and all hell broke loose? You may not have known it until years down the road. I know that I found it in my life because I crossed the line many times. Guilt and shame overtook me. And it brought complete confusion, not just to them, but we still experience that today. We're confused. We're in church today talking about sexuality and talking about confusion and how confused everyone seems to be and how people are jumping on sides and everyone has an opinion. We want to do it our way as if we know better than God. And then our physical and our emotional urges lead us so that we'll just feel good. And we value that over trusting God's loving instruction. And it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Yikes! They felt guilty. They felt guilt. That's when clothes were invented, you know. And then it says, and then they hid from God. They ran away. They didn't want to see God because knowing God was there reminded them of what they had done. That is a miserable, miserable place to be. And so we have to do something with that guilt and that shame. And our culture basically is saying, well, let's just rewrite the rules. Let's just change it so we don't have to feel guilty or shameful. And it's working out there. So the, the choice is to avoid it instead of to confess it. You'd think that we humans would learn from all of that. But it's still happening. Every time someone chooses to cross a loving boundary every time of God. Someone gets hurt. So how can we get clarity? Well, first of all, I think this one is really, really important. We've got to reframe God's boundaries as an expression of his love and not see it as a restriction of our freedom, but a way to freedom. See, he really, he really 
does love us. It kind of reminded me when I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, you know, when you go to the bowling alley and kids bowl and they have those bumpers. Kind of like this. It's so far away. This calls for something special. that much. Did you see? I noticed even uh, the first time I saw it. We do go in the gutter, but he provides a way with that loving boundary to gently guide us back into his alleyway. And he wants us to get a strike. He wants us to get his most, the most points in life that we can possibly get. He loves us that much. And, and you know what happens when we don't have those bumpers? Watch this. Here she goes. Here she goes. Looks good. Boom. Now, I think she might have gotten a strike there, but she got no points. <laughs> you guys get it? Those, those bumpers are there, those loving instructions, those boundaries that he lays out for us. They're there because he loves us. If his bumper says, don't cheat on your spouse, don't do it. If it says, don't lust after another human, then do whatever it takes to get your eye on Jesus instead of porn. If he says, keep sex according to my design, then pursue his design. It's pretty simple, really. All we have to do is go back to Genesis and read the original story and not rewrite the rules to our liking. And God never asks us to do anything that he doesn't also equip us to have the power to do, which means that we, our part, is to learn to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we do that by reading God's word, by knowing what's in there, by experiencing a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our experience as we walk in a relationship with him and we keep our eyes on him. He begins to show us the things in our own life that we need to surrender over to him, the sin that we need to confess. When we keep our eyes on him, we begin to see clear. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And I'm beginning to see his amazing grace. And then he allows us, through his power, to gain self-control. You know what's missing in our world today? Self-control. The bumpers within our being and within our character, it's the speed limits of our character, is self-control. And self-control is a fruit. It's produced as we walk in the Spirit, as we learn to know Him. It's a fruit that's produced in our life so that when we're tempted and we're tempted to lust and look at that or, or we're feeling lonely and we know that there's someone there that'll talk to us, we're checked and we stop and we choose to go the other way because it's a choice, you know. It's a choice. And when we remember that loving boundary that God has given us, then we know that he's trying to save us. We don't understand it. I might still have to be lonely, but I'll be lonely with God. 
and I'll be saved from the consequences and the complications that come from everything that could possibly come should I cross over that line. When we walk in the Spirit, well, it, the, the Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in everything, look to Him. And he'll make your path straight. That's what the Bible says in some translations. And when we walk by his spirit, it says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. You see, there's this war until we surrender to God's loving boundaries. Until we surrender to him the one who loves us. Listen, we live in a world that wants and expects everybody else to change, but don't ask me to change. Don't ask me to change. Our responsibility as a Christ follower is exactly the opposite. It is not for us to try to convince or argue or change other people or their beliefs. That's not our job. That is God's job. Only he can do that. Only he can change hearts. Our responsibility is to allow God's loving boundaries to change us. And when that happens, when we seek him and his truth, we develop these deep convictions that we don't have to prove or argue to anybody else. We live by those convictions. And you know what he does in us? He allows us to love other people who don't believe the same way we do. Can you imagine if the world would see that out of Christians instead of this clanging gong that's just another voice and all the opinions about just this one sliver of a story? There are so many voices out there that are vying to influence you. Because the more minds you can get on one side, the more it seems out there in the world you prove you're right. And that's especially in this area of sexuality. It's very confusing. Have you jumped on a side? Or are you, as a Christ follower, grounding yourself in his word, allowing it to change you, Discovering the changes that he wants to make inside of you to become more like him and to look more like him, that develops deep convictions. And see, that happens as we walk in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, outside that relationship with Jesus Christ, it's very confusing. And you don't immediately step into a relationship with Christ and everything clears up. No, it's a journey that we walk in life. God just revealed something new to me four years ago. He's, re he's revealing new things to me every day. I just had a birthday, and it's so exciting to me because it, it means that no matter how old you become, Charles is my, my hero. He's 90 years old, and he tells me, Gay, I'm still learning. God is still showing me new things. That's a life lived abundantly. He wants to show us 
those things in our life that's not pleasing to him so that we can, so that we can uh, be a witness in the world to his transforming power in us. Listen, every single one of us have crossed a line somewhere. Every single one of us. The Bible says that every one of us have sinned. And if we say that we haven't, we're a liar. So we're all stinking liars here this morning, right? <laughs> every one of us have crossed a line. Some of those things have caused great consequences, great complications in our lives. There are still some things today that I deal with as a result of some decisions and choices and crossing lines I made as a college student. But I committed to the Lord that he was going to rid my life of that instead of me preaching to you that you got to do that. He's been doing that in me and transforming me. And my prayer is that he's making me to look more. I, sometimes I even surprise myself at how my anger has dissipated and how this joy and this peace is forming inside of me. Sometimes it surprises me, but he's been transforming me. And that guilt and that shame, instead of erasing the lines of that guilt and shame, we need to confess it. We need to allow him to show that to us. And instead of rewriting the story to try to avoid it, we need to surrender it over to him. Because you know what? Only the blood of Jesus Christ can deep clean guilt and shame. And there may be some outstanding guilt and shame in your life today. This is the place to meet Jesus and to allow him to clean that up and to begin to give you some clarity because as long as we're crossing those lines, we will be confused. That's how we find clarity is when we walk in the spirit and we walk with him. So maybe it's time to turn to Jesus today for clarity, for forgiveness, for healing. And if you're a believer, you say, well, I've been saved for a while. Well, maybe you're that person that says, I'm saved, but man, I get tempted and I keep falling. And sometimes I work hard and it doesn't happen, but I find myself tempted and falling again. I find myself in that place. Well, maybe today is the day that we need to surrender to his lordship and to receive the power that he has for us to be the overcomer that he said he is. We can be an overcomer as we walk in his spirit. See, in this world, we're going to be tempted to be fearful, to worry, to live in chaos, to be confused. But here's what Jesus said. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, he's saying, this is Jesus, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. Be courageous. Stand up and live by your deep personal convictions because I have overcome the world. Let's stand together and let's worship. And would you allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to your heart that this wouldn't be a time where we just sing a song, but truly God has opportunity in our hearts. Maybe there's been a time when you've said, I just want to do it my way. I just want to do it my way. And you're rewriting the story. Maybe today it's time to just listen. To just listen to what he may want to say to your heart here this morning. I have no clue what that is. I know that I never stand in the presence of God like this in corporate worship. That I don't open my heart and say, God, would you speak to me?
And every time that he does that, he gives me one more little clue that works towards clarity of seeing him even clearer. So let's just take the, the next moments. You know, God is not gonna, he drew you here today. That's not by chance. It's not by luck. His Holy Spirit drew us here today. And he's not gonna let you go. He's not gonna let you go until he has it all.